Welcome to Advocation Change It Up, a new podcast series hosted by Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the USF College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab. Hello and welcome to Advocation Change It Up, the podcast series of the University of South Florida College of Public Health Activist Lab. I'm Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab, and I'm joined by one of our student advisory board members, Karen Ruiz Ayala. Hi, Karen. Hi, Dr. Liller. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. The Activist Lab at the college prepares our students to be exemplary advocates and leaders in public health. And if you just Google us at Activist Lab, College of Public Health, USF, you'll see all the educational programs we do. We have boot camps, we have seminars, we do research on a variety of public health topics, we do advocacy and work to assure our students have practice experience in the community, at the state, and national levels. This podcast involves talking with public health leaders and advocates whose work has led to great improvements in public health. We'll be talking in each podcast with a guest on a particular public health issue, and we'll end each podcast by asking how we as the community can advocate for change. This will be our third podcast in our Environmental Health and Climate Change podcast series. We're so excited that we received a civic engagement microgrant from Research America to develop and publish this series. We hope to not only learn from the podcast experts, but also to develop an advocacy plan for the state and even beyond. But before we begin, I have to add, the views expressed reflect those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the University of South Florida. So without further ado, let's talk with our advocation guests, Michelle Jenkins and Kim Tapley from the Hillsborough County Environmental Protection Commission. And before we begin, I'd like to read for the listeners some of their bios. First of all, Michelle. Michelle is the Sustainability Coordinator with the Environmental Protection Commission, or EPC. She has worked the past 20 years in the Air Division of EPC, and coupled with sustainability, she oversees the division's grants, contracts, and budget activities. Her experience includes work on a variety of air issues, including compliance and enforcement, rule development, and transportation. Her sustainability efforts are focused on promoting sustainable government, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, fostering climate mitigation, and encouraging energy efficiency and alternative fuel technologies. She works closely with the Hillsborough County government and with other partner agencies in Tampa Bay to further the goals of creating a sustainable and thriving community, environment, and economy for the future. She has a Bachelor's of Science degree from USF in Environmental Science and Policy. We're also joined with Kim Tapley. Kim is a senior environmental manager in the Wetlands Division of the Environmental Protection Commission. She has 15 years of wetland regulatory experience and oversees the Assessment and Development Services Permitting Section in the Wetlands Division. She specializes in complex wetland permitting projects, including wetland impact and mitigation reviews. She routinely coordinates and assists local and state governments with development projects and wetland conservation. She received her Bachelor of Science degree in Environmental Science and has a Master's of Science degree in Geology from USF. And she's been certified by the Society of Wetland Scientists as a professional wetland scientist. So what great bios. Hello to Michelle and Kim. How are you? Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dr. Lillard. 
I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited that we're going to be here today to talk about the Environmental Protection Commission, what both of you do, so that we can learn more about how we as a community can work to advocate for positive change. So let's get started then, and I'd like to follow that line of thought. Could you tell me a little bit more about your roles with the commission and maybe touch on what the commission does, talk a little bit about permit issuance, compliance, et cetera. So let's start with Michelle. Um, So about the EPC, we are the local environmental protection agency in Hillsborough County. And we are, um, we're special and unique in that the EPC was established through a special act of the Florida legislature. I see. So, Many environmental uh, local agencies are established through their own local government Mm -hmm. or their own counties. Uh Um, But EPC was actually established through the Florida legislature. Um, And we were established to control and regulate activities that could cause pollution in the Tampa Bay area, Hillsborough County. Mm -hmm. We have an EPC board that consists of the Hillsborough County Board of County Commissioners. Uh And they serve in a separate capacity uh, when they are the EPC board. So they put on a different hat and they serve over our board or serve as our board to direct us and guide us um, on, you know, the future of our activities. Mm -hmm. And we have an executive director that reports to that. We have four divisions within EPC and we cover all of the medias within the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a wetlands division, an air division, a water division, and a waste division. And we also have a legal and finance um, administrative department. Mm-hmm. I think that um, maybe Kim will kind of touch on maybe some of the individual um, divisions. And then maybe I can come back and kind of chat a little bit about sustainability sure. and um, how that department kind of fits Absolutely. In. We'd love to hear that. So far on the podcast, we've not talked that much about sustainability, so we'd love to, to hear that. So, uh, Kim. Yeah, definitely. So just like Michelle said, we were created by a special act of the Florida legislature to control and regulate the activities which are or may reasonably be expected to cause pollution or contamination of air, water, soil, and property or cause excessive and unnecessary noise. Mm -hmm. So the agency's core functions come directly from our enabling enabling act. A little bit about our air division, they're responsible for guarding and enhancing the quality of the air we breathe and maintaining limitations on certain noises. Mm -hmm. The waste division is responsible for the management of solid and hazardous waste, and they also house the agency's brownfields program. Mm -hmm. Our water division protects surface water and groundwater quality through the implementation of monitoring, permitting, compliance, and enforcement program. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the division that I work in, the wetlands division, safeguards groundwater, surface water, and provides natural flood mitigation while preserving wildlife habitat and coastal shoreline. Okay. That is, that is so interesting. I, I don't know how many of the listeners are familiar with the uh, Environmental Protection Commission, so that's why I wanted to start off with talking a little bit about what the agency does. Uh, so, Michelle, you wanted to follow up on sustainability? Yeah, so our, uh, we have an Office of Sustainability, which is housed in the Air Division. 
Um, but really, everything that I do uh, relates to all of the divisions and all of the activities mm-hmm. within EPC. Right. Um, and then we work with our partner agencies in Hillsborough County to further their activities within sustainability. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking to promote activities that are going to protect the environment, protect the community, and to promote prosperity for the future. Because sustainability really has three pillars to it. Uh-huh. It's environmental protection. It's, they call it people, planet, um, prosperity. Okay. So it's environmental protection mm-hmm. where the community also benefits that includes, you know, components related to equity and equality. Um, And then also for the economy to prosper, Mm -hmm. because for something to be truly sustainable and to last into the future, it needs to touch on all three components. Mm -hmm. Um, So really any activity that is, you know, good for the environment, the community, and, and has some kind of economic component to it, we are helping to promote. And that may be internally with recycling Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, energy reduction Uh that is working with other agencies to, um, you know, maybe address sea level rise or to develop sustainability action plans to kind of give a guide for where we want to go into the future mm-hmm. um, and all kinds of different various activities like that. And, you know, solar, mm-hmm. electric all the vehicles, new things. Yeah. different things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. All, all those great things. Right. Um, so that's, you know, a little bit about how the sustainability kind of interweaves mm-hmm. with all of our divisions and with a lot of the great work that's being done around Hillsborough County and in the Tampa Bay area. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, I think that gives people a clearer idea of, of what you do uh, with your organization. I want to ask this question. Um, based on your research and your experience with the commission, what do each of you believe are some of the greatest environmental health issues we're facing now? And as we think about these, I've been asking all my podcast guests this on this series, are these issues that are old, are they new, are they getting better, are they getting worse? But, but what are some of the big areas we're facing now that we have to work on? And let's start with Michelle, and then we'll go to Kim. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, so they there are reports out there that say over 900 people are moving into Florida each yeah. day. So, I mean, I think these are, you know, that that's an important thing to think about is the population growth in the state and how what that does to um, stress our resources mm-hmm. and our natural treasures. Sure. So I think really education is key and conservation mm-hmm. um, is paramount. Mm-hmm. You know, we um, can't protect what we, we don't know about. Um, so it's important to educate the community so that they can appreciate and understand why resource protection is so vital to our health right. and our quality of mm-hmm. life. I think that we are doing a good job and we're continuing to meet um, all of the health-based standards that are established as 
you know, one of the things that EPC does is for our ambient air quality and water quality is monitoring those yeah. um, media mm-hmm. to make sure that we're meeting the federal right. guidelines health standards mm-hmm. that are established. Mm-hmm. And through the years, those standards have been um, restricted and have tightened. Mm-hmm. And the county continues to, you know, do what it needs to do in order to meet those standards. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We are we are in compliance now with all of the air quality standards. Um, it's the first time, I guess, in thirty years. Oh, wow. Um, is, yeah. yeah. Is and big, and is that day. is that have anything to do with COVID nineteen? Because less emissions and things like that. People weren't traveling, and so the air quality is better. No, I wouldn't say that it's directly related to uh-huh. COVID. Um, much of it is through the air pollution um, control devices okay. that many of you know our industry right, they're using. is uh-huh. implementing. Uh-huh. Right, they're they're using now. So, um, and again, as those standards become stricter and stricter, mm-hmm. those facilities need to you know adapt and change. So that their processes are, are able to meet yeah. those standards. Yeah. Um, and and you know we're doing a good job at mm-hmm. that. Um, and that's through you know permitting and compliance mm-hmm. um, that the agency is charged with doing. Right. Um, for for all of our media. Yeah. So what do you think, Kim? What are some of the largest environmental health issues you think we're facing? Yeah, so I agree with Michelle. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with population growth mm-hmm. and how it can be a stressor on the environment. I had read a, a wetlands report that collected data, and they estimated that from 1780 to 1980, it was estimated that just the state of Florida lost 9.3 million acres of wetlands. Wow which is actually the most acreage loss in the continental hmm. U.S. And if you divide it out, that's actually 127 acres of wetland impact for 200 years straight, every day for 200 years straight. Wow. And so with the increase in education mm-hmm. over the past decade, we've helped to improve uh, the awareness of environmental issues such as filling of wetlands. Mm-hmm. So we have regulations to prevent that now. And I think that's very important to keep in mind when we have the stressor on the environment with all the new folks coming to live in Florida. Because let's think that we we all love to live here. (laughs) It's a great state. But we need to make sure that our growth is smart. Um, So that's one thing. Uh, The other thing is just the education is so important. Nowadays, people know the rules for the most part, mm-hmm. so there's not as many what we call willful violators, uh, such as the past, like illegal dumping yeah. sites yeah. used to be somewhat common, but now we have regulations and the education about the regulations. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that the environmental health of the Bay has greatly improved um, over the past decade. Yeah. One example that I can clearly point to is the seagrass recovery in the Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a goal to restore the seagrass coverage to pre-1950s levels, uh-huh. and we have surpassed that. Wow. And the reason why that's important is because seagrass needs clear, 
clean water to grow mm-hmm. in. If the water is polluted, it blocks the sunlight mm-hmm. from reaching sure. the sea grasses. So this shows that all of our water treatment, all of our stormwater ponds, all of these regulations that we've been work- working on actually are successful mm-hmm. and they are establishing a healthy seagrass for the bay. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, so we've done better, but it sounds like you're saying we still have to monitor and really seriously look at the environment, especially because Florida is so attractive to so many people, right, moving in. So all of these right. yeah, all of these environmental health issues, although they're getting better um, or they're improving or staying where they are, we still have to monitor them, yeah, because of, of growth, population Definitely. growth. So, Karen, do you have questions for our guests? Yeah, so you mentioned that um, the education helped the seagrass coverage and all that. Is there any education on any current issue that you hope will affect um, positively something in the future? Oh, certainly. So we have at EPC something called the Pollution Recovery Fund. And what that is is that penalties are collected from polluters. And they're deposited in this EPC Pollution Recovery Mm -hmm. Fund. And then that money can be turned back into the community to either clean up polluted areas or promote environmental education. And it just so happens that we have three phenomenal studies that are going on right now about the bay and the waters of Hillsborough County. One of them is from Eckerd College, and it's a study on microplastics in the bay which is going to be very interesting because that is the new hot topic item of scientists to see Mm -hmm. how all these microplastics are in the environment. Another study, one that's actually being done by USF, is a study on drug-resistant bacteria Mm -hmm. in the wastewater treatment process. And then a third study from USF, again, funded partially by the Pollution Recovery Fund, is on DNA sequencing of fecal contamination in both our creek and Sweetwater Creek. And so what that would help determine is if the fecal contamination is of human origin Mm -hmm. or cattle origin. Mm -hmm. So then we can see, are we dealing with some septic tank issues or are we dealing with agricultural runoff issues and how to solve those problems. So those are three studies right now that EPC is helping fund um, to, to better learn about these effects on the environment. Right. Wow, thank you. I didn't know you guys funded so many studies. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that um, it's actually since 1987, I believe. Is that right, Ken? Do you remember? It's yeah. over $8 million that um, wow. EPC has given out through PRF for these projects and studies. And Dr. Lillard, just as you were saying earlier that we do need to continue, we are doing well, but we we need to be vigilant and to continue to look at these things because, you know, as science is advancing, we're learning more and we're learning about the impacts of things that maybe we didn't realize before, just like these microplastics. Mm, Such an important issue. It's a hot topic now because... You know, we're learning that it, it does have a very big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to, uh, you know, evaluate and do more studies so that we can make solid science-based um, decisions yeah. on, you know, how we can address them best for the future. Oh, definitely. You always want to 
base what you're doing on evidence, you know, and so that's what we always promote in the activist lab, and I'm sure your commission does as well. Do you have any other questions, Karen? No, thank you. That was that was great. I, I have a question. I, I know um, what I'm supposed to ask next, but um, as we follow the questions, but you know, sometimes <laughs> these thoughts come into my head. So, um, so I have heard so many different accounts about recycling. Okay, some people say, "Oh, don't bother." You know, they're not even doing that. It's anymore. not worth it. Right. Yeah. It's not worth it. Other people say, nope, I'm going to keep doing it. And then other folks say, you know what? It all gets mixed in together. It's not true what they're doing with recycling. So I thought I'm going to ask these experts, tell me a little bit about recycling and should the community keep doing it? So um, I have to say I'm not an expert. Okay. At, at right. this. I do try. We try and help and promote um, recycling throughout the agency to the community. Um, and we work with Hills Grove County. Yeah. They have a recycling uh, expert mm-hmm. um, to help them promote. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I believe, yes, it is. Okay. Unfortunately, the market has changed over time. And I think that's why you get these conflicting uh, yes. opinions, um, accounts, voices yeah. that are out mm-hmm. there because, you know, there was a market for it and we were sending all of our recycling to China right. and then because of contamination that China kind of said, no, we're not taking your uh, recycling anymore. So it's kind of slowed Mm. because there's, I don't believe there's a lot of um, market domestic industry that is able to process it, but it's still happening. Okay. I mean, I I don't believe at all. And I'm sure our uh, recycling coordinator would tell you that, um, it is absolutely worth recycling, okay. yes. And um, it is not all getting mixed together and just thrown, you know, yes, into, into one landfill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. It's not. Okay. Well, that's so, good to know. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't believe that for the market it's, it's, it's strong right mm-hmm. now. But mm-hmm. that's actually creating more um, domestic markets which is what we really want to do. Right. Sure. Um, it's never made sense to me to like ship. Yeah. Why are we sending that? Halfway across yeah. the, the world. I, how is that? How does that make sense? But, you know, that's what we were doing. Right. And I think that uh, this is maybe a silver lining on, you know, maybe actually building uh-huh. a domestic market for it instead of, you know, an overseas. Yeah. Market, so. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate you answering that about recycling. Um, So the next question deals a little bit with the commission and work you're doing about climate change. We hear an awful lot about climate change. And and as you know, that we hope that our guest, a future guest, will be Representative Castor, who had a, a whole committee at the federal level look at climate change. And we'll be talking with her about that. But some of the things you do, do you see an effect on climate change? And again, how can we as the community help to promote these positive effects? So I can tell you a little bit of um, my work related to, you know, greenhouse gas, um, it, looking at greenhouse yes. gases and addressing sea level rise and, you know, a changing climate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is working. So EPC does not do really any of that work directly, but we help promote what these other experts Mm -hmm. that are studying those issues, um, what they're doing. So, for example, Hillsborough County is currently um, doing a greenhouse gas inventory. Mm -hmm. 
And as a part of that, they will come up with, you know, some reduction strategies for the future. They're also looking at doing some sustainability action plan, both for the community and for um, county government. Mm -hmm. And so that will include, you know, clean energy, which is related to, um, you know, a changing climate, Um, you know, going solar. They... Hillsborough County has done such a phenomenal job of, of going solar mm-hmm. and looking at, you know, cleaner energy sources. Right. Um, they're putting, they have solar on, I think, like 13 of their buildings, um, and they are making them solar ready. Every new building that is built is being evaluated for okay. solar. So mm-hmm. right now they're actually just looking at, you know, their existing infrastructure, mm-hmm. but every new building will be evaluated for solar okay. and it'll also be evaluated um for to, ha- to be ev ready so mm. that it will you know potentially already have the lines laid in case we need to put a charging station there because often that is when it becomes more cost prohibitive right. um is going in and retrofitting yes. instead of kind of doing mm-hmm. it from the design mm-hmm. phase up. Yeah, that's always the it's issue with this. Yeah, trying to figure out the best cost-effective way. And I think also there's been a theme on our podcast about equity and equality. You know, as we look at these mitigation measures and things that we do, we have to make sure that the the final results are affecting can affect positively everyone and it's not an equity issue, right? Or it's, it, you know, so that yeah. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, that is a very important, um, critically important component because, you know, going solar can be expensive. Um, it's an upfront cost, mm-hmm. but the payoff is long term. Right. It's being able to make that upfront cost. <laughs> That's right. Um, because, right. So the county has partnered with an organization called SELF, which is a solar um energy loan fund Mm -hmm. and they work with a minority group to offer loans Mm -hmm. for much more than solar it's called self um, but they actually do any kind of um you know weather proofing Mm -hmm. they they actually aging in place Mm -hmm. um so if you need a new air conditioning you know if you have a really old air conditioner Mm -hmm. and it's causing, you know, it's costing you a lot, yeah, um, a ton of mm-hmm. money every mm-hmm. month, and you can't afford to get a new one. This is one place okay. that, if you're not able to get a conventional loan, that they will work with you um, to help you get, you know, a loan to be able to save the money monthly so that you can make your loan payment right. um, and have a, you know, a reduced energy cost oh, okay. for your household. And and could um, people just Google that? Uh, Michelle, to find that online? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you could, right, you could just Google, and um, you could go on to Hillsborough County um, government website uh-huh. and type in self, or you could just type in um, self. Okay. Solar Energy Lane Fund. Yeah. They're kind of trying to move away from the solar, mm-hmm. like yeah. calling themselves Solar Energy Lone Fund because they do so much right, more. Right, right. Um, but really, they're, they're helping, you know, anyone who... Um, wouldn't qualify for a traditional loan yeah. to be able I think that's to great. get loans to, to do these energy efficiency yeah. projects around their home. Yeah, well, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah. And, and I just wanted to kind of go back to um, your question before. Some of the other 
um, organizations that we work mm-hmm. with um, would be the Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council. Uh-huh. They uh, recently developed a, um, a regional um, coalition, mm-hmm. resiliency coalition, which has six counties signed on um, in addition to over 20 municipalities in the Tampa Bay area to basically say that, you know, we all care about the environment. We all recognize, you know, that sea level rise is changing. um, And and we want to do something about Mm -hmm. it. And they're in the very beginning stages, Mm -hmm. but eventually like recommendations um, could be made to how different localities could address some of these issues. Oh yeah, we'd we'd um, love to see that, those. You know, we could yeah. face in the future. Right, those recommendations. I would I would really love to see those. It kind of leads into my next question, but <laughs> I would really love to see those. Um, yeah, and so and that's what they're doing yeah. now is they're doing the research to pull in all of that information. There's some other. Um, you know, Miami-Dade um, County has done a lot yes. um, with climate yes. to address climate. And so they're using them as a model to how they'll develop mm-hmm, in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all for everyone. No. But it's, they want to be able to provide the information so that, um, you know, you can look at each scenario and, and evaluate what are your risks. And so what is the recommendation based on mm-hmm. a high risk? What is mm-hmm. the recommendation based on a lower mm-hmm. risk? And then make that decision for what's best mm-hmm. for, you know, each, each county, county or municipality. Right, in each of that area. So, Karen, do you have any other questions at this time? Um, no, I don't have any other questions. You know, you guys explained it great. Um, actually, you know what? I do have a question. <laughs> so you guys work in wetlands and air, right? Are there any anything related to climate change that you're specifically worried about in those areas, you know, maybe for the Tampa Bay area or for Florida at whole, something more local? Yeah, I could add that from the wetlands perspective. Okay. So we don't have any direct regulations that discuss climate change or sea level rise, but we do protect wetlands. And part of the wetlands job is to protect against uh, hurricane damage, Storm surges, buffer, high winds and surges, exactly. And that's been recognized by actually the National Flood Insurance Program, which uh, helps reduce uh, flood insurance costs here for Hillsborough County because EPC protects wetlands and because the county has a strong environmental lands acquisition and protection program, EVAC for short. Mm -hmm. They protect uh, natural areas as well. All that comes into play when they calculate the flood risk. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. uh, the last dollar amount I saw is that Hillsborough County residents save $5 million a year oh. on these flood insurance discounts because we protect yeah. the wetlands and the natural areas in the county. Yeah, I know recently we've seen, um, especially with Hurricane Harvey in Texas, damage to the wetlands had severe. It was a contributing factor in flooding in that area. So it's definitely great that we're, you know, trying to do stuff now to prevent that from happening, a similar situation from happening in Florida in the future. Yeah, definitely. Okay, thank you, Karen. So my next question is, if you both, Michelle and Kim, could have a magic wand and have your way, what would be included in a Florida public health environmental advocacy plan? We talked about your interest in sustainability, in wetlands, in air, but 
If we were to develop such a plan, which we hope to do for Research America, what would you want to see included from the EPC? So, um, I, you know, again, going back to education, I think that mm-hmm. education is key and it really is about the future generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, you know, we need to educate people on preservation and conservation right the the best way to uh, preserve something and not create the pollution in the first place that you have to later kind of deal with is to find ways to conserve energy Um, Mm -hmm. you know look to new technologies where you can Mm -hmm. leds are a a fairly inexpensive um, way to get you know a a big bang for for the buck if you will and, you know, carpool when you can, shop mm-hmm. local. Mm-hmm. You know, These are all the things we can do. Community garden. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. All the things um, people can I, do, you know, and without relying on, you know, waiting for government to change something or whatever, this is what you can do individually, which I think is so important, right? And to have community buy-in, you know, for these changes. And that's where I think education really helps. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, James, I love James at all, and um, yeah, one of her too. quotes is, you know, only if we understand will we care, and only if we care will we protect. And That's right. Only if mm-hmm. we protect shall, you know, we preserve right. the future. So um, I think that, you know, for any plan uh, for the future, you know, I, I think that education and, mm-hmm. and teaching mm-hmm. people, you know, why it's so important. Um, I mean, as Kim said at the beginning, you know, everybody – loves to live here. I mean, we are so blessed with so many natural treasures. Sure. Um, but but we have to take care of them if, if we want them oh, 100%. to uh, be here for the future. Right. Kim, do you have anything to add for the plan? I would just say, you know, kind of echoing what Michelle has said, continuing to focus on environmental protection mm-hmm. is highly important continuing to do the research and the education so we're not responding to the pollution, but we're actually preventing it from right, happening in the first, in place. The first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I also think that citizen engagement is very important. Oh, yes. it, it really helps shape the management effects of public and private entities. Mm-hmm. I, and one of my favorite quotes is from Cheryl Sandberg, and she <laughs> says, the world needs you to change it. And that's, that's right. so paramount. Mm-hmm. For all of us to work together to, to change what, what needs to be changed and to protect what needs to be protected. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Very true. Well, I'm going to ask Karen now some more for more information. She's just a little bit younger than me, maybe, maybe Michelle and Kim. But um, what are the feelings of students on this topic? You know, we're a university here. We have an activist lab. We have a great student advisory board. Um, I want to talk about students because young individuals have been the drivers of so much public health advocacy and change recently. We've seen this with topics related to racism, gun violence, and more. So, Karen, what are the students saying about environmental health? Maybe some things that Michelle and Kim talked about today. Yeah, so I feel like students now are much more environmentally conscious Mm -hmm. than maybe they were in past generations. We definitely know that, look, 
a lot of these people aren't going to be around in 60, 70 years. We're the ones who are going to have to deal with this eventually <laughs> right. if you don't do anything about it now. It's going to be left gonna, to you. It's going right? to be left to us. And it's just yeah. going to be worse if we don't deal with it right now. And, you know, just like public health, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right. So we would rather deal with it now. Um, you know, we, we're trying to find ways to be more sustainable, um, doing things individually that nece aren't necessarily you know, endorsed or anything, you know, carpooling, like you said, doing, um, buying local, those are very much movements that started with younger people. And I feel like it, just students overall are more, like I said, more conscious, more aware of what they're putting out into the environment and how they can, um, you know, reduce the effects that they have on, on the environment, you know, after they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's always this next generation as we talk about in the activist lab, right? It's like this, you are going to be the future and you are going to be the ones and someday you're going to be doing this podcast, right? <laughs> Talking with somebody about what do we do now? You know, where do we go from here? But I think that's really exciting. I, and I think she's right. Um, I see students very interested in these issues. And not only, like we said, the racism, the gun violence and the other issues, but also these issues related to environment. And I think they're, they're so important. Do you have any more questions for Michelle or Kim? No, I don't have any more questions. Thank you okay. guys. How about, how about you, Michelle or Kim? Any other comments you'd like to leave with the listeners? Well, I was just going to add, um, you know, about an advocacy plan to include, sure. to include clean energy to focus yes. on, you know, all alternatives that are cleaner um, that, you know, the, the younger generation and the students really em will embrace. Um, I, I feel like maybe the older generation sometimes are, <laughs> are used to how things have always worked. Right. So, but the younger generation, they're very interested and inquisitive and, and they don't have any preconceived notions. Right. So they're, um, you know, they're, they're looking to do something different, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. No, it's um, so true. So I think that more focus on on alternatives, on clean right. alternatives for the future. And mm -hmm. that could be in waste. It could be in energy. It's definitely in water. I mean, there's so many um, different innovative um, yeah. new things that are out there. And we need to continue to um, research them and to, yeah. you know, to obtain quality data so that we can make you know, decisions for what's right for us um, moving forward into the future. Yeah, and, and I think it's so important for students to study these areas, right? More and more students getting into the sciences, uh, the STEM areas, uh, public health, you know, all these sure. areas where they learn, you know, they learn what's important uh, about these topics and then how to be the change agents, you know, and a, a theme that has run through all of the podcasts has been how important it is, though, once you have these ideas or these solutions that you involve the community in coming to those solutions, right? It's not imposed. It's not saying you have to do this, you have to do that, but the community's right there with you. They're participating with you in these decisions, and um, and I think it's it's much more effective. And so yeah. that's yeah, and I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I agree, and and I think that that's you know the the key part of the education because if you mm -hmm. know how valuable it is, you you will want to protect it. Um, yes, and so it's also connected and interrelated to you know how we live and and what we value. Yeah. 
how we live and what we value and also how to make this equitable. You know, the, the solutions, um, which everybody's now looking at, you know, obviously is electric vehicles and things such as that. Well, they're pretty pricey right now. So coming up with ways that everyone can benefit soon in the future, or if you have to continue with gasoline powered, you know, automobiles, how can we do that more efficiently? Right. And, and right, so, right. yeah. So I think there's a, yeah. so much, mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes it's a financial obligation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they really need assistance in that way. But they also need to be educated. And sometimes it's it's not a matter of, um, you know, being able to get to um, a location where they can get educated. So, you know, it's offering things online or Mm -hmm. at times when... um, you know, off peak times when people might, you know, are working or not working, I'm sorry, exactly. that would be able to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, it's definitely a, a really, really important topic mm-hmm. that I hear more and more these days. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in addition to, you know, getting that buy-in and getting the feedback from the community, um, when Hillsborough County... Um, they just went through a sustainability certification process and they were actually awarded platinum level by Mm. a lead uh, for cities and communities and the first in Florida and only three in the United States. Fantastic. Um, So they really are doing a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But as part of that, they went into this huge engagement with the community where they did surveys and they were holding open houses and Mm -hmm. things like that. And they really want the feedback um, from the community to, to help them guide the future. You know, what right. do you want to see? Do you want to see composting as something that's potentially available in Hillsborough County? Do you want to see more recycling? Do you need more education on recycling? Which we do. We all do. Um, Definitely. So I'm <laughs> I ashamed think, to say yeah. when I first started recycling, I was putting mine in a plastic bag. <laughs> and you cannot recycle those public pla- yes. or any plastic bag. Right, um, right. But in order to carry it out to my recycling bin, yeah. I was putting it in a plastic bag. And, and then I learned that all of that was going into the garbage. So if you're not recycling properly, you know, yeah. it potentially could all be going going to, to the, the same yes into the landfill <laughs> right but if you are recycling properly then then there definitely is a benefit but we we do need more information on that um they call them wish cyclers mm-hmm. um for those are the people that you know want to recycle everything and they have the best of intentions right um but that contamination but, yes can really mess things up. Yeah. Um, and at, at that point, you know, you're kind of negating all the good work that you're trying all, to do. All the good work um, you're trying to do, right? You really, right. you really are. Yes, I've seen people, you know, like in, in just where I live in my community, I've seen people put like everything in the recycling bin. And I'm like, that shouldn't be recycled, you know, because you can see it because right. it's like, you know, it, it's like coming out the top of the bin. And I'm like, no, I don't think you should be putting all that in there. Yeah. So they're probably in the game. They're trying to be good, though. They're trying to to recycle. And then other people, like I said, have given up. So um, but I'm glad to hear that it's still an important thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we can all do. I, I think that yeah. we all need to 
feel empowered mm-hmm. to, you know, be able to do things in our own personal life that, um, yes, that we know is right and we know is good. And, mm-hmm. you know, having that, having that little box at the end of my counter that's filled up with, you know, various paper and aluminum and bottles right. makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> and to find my, my bin, my recycling bin makes me feel good, but I have to do it in the right way. In right. Order, you know, for there truly to be a benefit. Yeah. For the- I think it reminds you that there's other things that you can do as well, mm-hmm. you know? So that's just, you know, one step. You could also, you know, your bin is going to remind you, hey, I need to bring reusable bags when I go shopping. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. and just continue on like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I see more and more people doing that, too, you know, and getting away from plastic and all that. So, all right. Uh, anything else, Karen, for our guests? No. Um, I loved your guys' whole thing about, about um, you know, water and air and wetlands conservation and sustainability. We really just, you know, we have to get kind of buy-in from the whole community, like you guys said, especially, I'm sorry to say, but the older generations sometimes are hesitant to change. (laughs) And just really, we have to get these younger generations also into positions of power that can help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that can help us change these in regulatory aspects in the future. That's right. And, you know, someday when Michelle and Kim retire, you know, we would love to have people from uh, science, obviously, and as they are, and and public health, you know, continue in their steps. And um, what I'm always promoting uh, for our students as well is that they hopefully run for office someday, and they help make those decisions either at the county level or at the state or even federal level on these topics. Great. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'd love to see them do that. I have a couple right now that are very interested. So, <laughs> so success so far. Um, all right. Well, you know, thank you so, so much, Michelle and Kim. On behalf of the USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, our wonderful guests, Michelle Jenkins and Kim Tapley, our student co-host, Karen, we thank you for joining us. And hey, keep listening. We have new segments coming soon for our environmental health series. As always, we would love to hear from you. We want to know how we're doing. So please email us at cophactivistlab at usf.edu. So, and hey, until next time, this is Dr. Karen Liller. Remember, find your voice. Let's change it up for the better. Keep listening and join Advocation Change It Up. Tell your friends and family. We're on all media, Apple, Spotify, and more. So thank you all again. And hey, when it's safe to be out and about, come see us in the Activist Lab.